0: about nine o'clock when she get home everybody going to bed nine nine thirty that's if she don't talk to her homegirl for 30 minutes so i'm trying to get my time in what i'm saying to you jethro moses you gotta put your pastor the first family and the other pastoral staff you gotta put them in the best position my assistant pastor my man wasn't making enough money he flying he coming back and forth he driving an hour to get to where he get to the church was fussing about money i said y'all don't get it i need him i travel. So if y'all don't want to do it, I'm good with that. Take my salary, take that much out, and just give it to him. God will replace that. I can't afford to lose him. People are like, y'all got to let your clerk go. Because the clerk said she needed so much money, or well, she's going to have to get another job. Let the clerk go. I was like, no, take the money out of my and pay her. My wife came home another day. was like, look, you just need to get a whole, get, your, get a church, your whole check. No, for real, because I understand I need my assistant pastor. So if the church don't want to pay him, I'm going to pay him. Because guess what he does for me? He takes the pressure off of me. And so, y'all got to do me a favor as a collective body. And I, I work with a lot of, um, there are six of us, six pastors that have like a little ministry. And I'm the only pastor of the Adventist church. And the other guys, you know, are Sunday church. And I'm not suggesting that you do this, but it's amazing. When I go to their church, like for, um, what do you call it, anniversary, they like giving their pastors like 20 grand in cash for anniversaries. I'm like, wow, what's that like? Like, what's that like to have an anniversary, like, period? Like, what's that like to be celebrated? Like, wow. Like, I, like we don't even do that. They give him man, they gave him 20 grand. I'm talking about, it's about five of them. They giving him 15, 20 grand, and sending their family every year. They get, like, a trip that they get away from the church, and they put them on a cruise for, like, seven days that the church paid for. I've been on a cruise. Trust me, when you come back, you well-rested. And so I'm saying y'all need to get together as a group of whoever the leaders are and y'all need to say, how can we take some of the pressure off of our pastor and the pastoral staff so we can get the best out of our pastoral staff? That's all I'm saying to y'all. And, I'm, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I live it. I take care of my pastor. I'm the pastor. I'm cooking for folks because my church won't do an anniversary for me. I do one for them. Cause I'm trying to show them what it. Like every year, I do one. By my third one, they ain't done one for me yet. But I'm gonna keep doing it, and they are gonna catch it sooner or later. It's gonna snap. Like, oh, that's what he doing, right? And we take money out of our stuff. We feed them. We celebrate. Get certificates for them, and just show them. Like, look, I appreciate y'all. I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing without. So please, do me a huge favor. Jethro told Moses, if you keep doing it this way, you're gonna kill yourself. I'm telling y'all. The way our church is designed, pastors going to kill themselves. Send their family on a trip. Send them away every year. Let's let them get some fresh air. Watch the kids for them. Just free them up. Free them up. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And take responsibility. Some of you, you're retired. Some of you, you have time. Use your time to do something in the church. Just take one responsibility from the church. Right? Just take one responsibility. I guarantee if you guys do that, It's gonna take you guys to. It's gonna take your ministry to a whole other level. So I just my personal plug. That's my personal plug as a pastor to look out for your your pastor and the first family and watch what God does. Now for some of you that's a foreign concept because you 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 are so used to being served. You're used to being served that you've never served. You spoiled. You've never had a good friend of mine. He called me. I'm just gonna keep it 100. He called me going through it with his wife. You know my wife wants this and that. She wants me to tell her I'm sorry. It was her fault. Whatever. And I said, can I be real with you? He said, yeah. I said, how long you been married? He said, a year. I married them. I knew how long they had been married. How long you been married? He said, a year. I said, can I be honest with you? He said, yeah, be honest with me. I said, you are the youngest of your three brothers. Your mother and father, they spoiled you. You've been spoiled for 25 years. Can you spoil somebody else now? You a spoiled brat. You was 25 years old. Your father was still putting gas in your car. You spoiled. Now, I ain't mad at you, but your family spoiled you. Can you spoil somebody else now? You got 25 years of being a spoiled brat. You know how you felt about being a spoiled brat? He said, I loved it. So can you get that to somebody else now? You had 25 good years. That was a long run. That was a real good... T- you had 25 good years of being a spoiled brat. Now can you do that to somebody else so they can see what it feels like to be a spoiled brat? Why don't you do that for your wife? And I guarantee if you spoil her, it's going to turn back on you. It's going to turn around on you. Are you hearing me? But I understand he don't know no better because he never seen his father spoil... His mother, he don't know no better. Right? But when you got something good, man, when I was homeless, my wife took care of me. She made me come to Oakwood. So people say, why you spoil your wife? Because she spoiled me. Like at some point, when somebody's spoiling you, just say enough is enough. Now let me do it. Like don't burn them out. Don't burn people out. Don't abuse them and take advantage of them till they ain't got nothing else to give you. If they're that good to you, give them a break so they can come back and be good to you again. So just say, you know what, I'm going to trick her. I'm going to be good for her for one year so she can get some rest and come back and give me five more years. So every fifth year, I'm going to spoil her. I mean, whatever you got to do, whatever you got to do. But do me a favor, spoil your pastor, take care of your pastor, take care of the first lady, all right? Do for the whole, all the of, all of pastoral staff. And I'm telling you, if you take care of your pastor, it's going, man, I'm telling you, it, you're just going to see how God is just going to be able to just overflow you and take care of the body. Amen? Amen. Questions on leadership, and then I'm going to make another point. But you may have a question that you have, and I want to address your question in terms of leadership. Yes, sir. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Okay, that's good. I ain't mad at you. I ain't mad at you. So just keep him home, right? Keep him home, but make him want to stay at home. Amen. Amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amen. You're absolutely right. And I'm going to say this to you for real. You do have I said it earlier. You do have a pastor that cares about his flock. You do. You know. And, and he, they said you have two. Then you blessed. Amen. Um, you blessed way more than other churches. So do me a huge favor. For real. If you have it, let them know it and show them that you, ha- that you have it. Amen. Yeah, I heard about John. Jeremy told me about him. Jeremy Anderson. Jeremy told me about him. Yeah. And me and you both know how important it is to have somebody that can do what we do when we can't do what we do and do what we can do when we do what... Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, Mark. (laughs) Praise God. Let me get another question because that was a comment. Amen. Let me get a question about leadership because I don't want to haul... I got a lot to say, but I don't... I want to give you an opportunity. Amen. Another question about leadership. Question. Um, I said the first one, you're a shepherd. You know, a lot of times people are looking for a good preacher. You don't need a good preacher. Y'all know more than probably most preachers know. I mean, you're well-studied. There's nothing he going to preach that you ain't never heard before. So I think you want somebody who's a shepherd, not a hireling. Somebody just coming, they wasting time, they getting a check, and they just going through the motions. You have somebody that, that cares for you. And please, do me a huge favor. You know, listen to me when you know how, what kind of family your pastors have, you know, if he's single, if he's got a family, at some point, say, 10 o'clock is too late to call. This ain't no emergency. This ain't no, because I want to give some tips on how you could not, you know, just wear somebody out. If, I, if, it's, if he with his family, it's not an emergency, I'm, I'll wait until the wife's at work or something. I'll call later. So, so let's be mindful that we don't just want a good shepherd, but we got to be good sheep. Amen? You want a good shepherd and you want to be good sheep so that the shepherd can lead the sheep. So for me, I think that's one of the greatest ones. The second one is that he has a vision, that he knows where he wants the church to go. And this is the deal. Some people say to me, Eric, you're a visionary. Most visionaries are not managers and leaders. And so that's why God has called some of the sheep to be managers so you can help manage the vision. So some some people want you to be a manager, a leader, a visionary. They want you to do everything where they just sit there and suck up all your energy. So if you're a manager, and this is the problem I have with the church, I'm going to be honest with you. There are some folks who are managers in the world, and they're doing it big for the world. They're managing people, and they got all kinds of systems and structures at their job, and they come to church, and they just don't give nothing. They just come to church and sit. You can't go to your job and just sit. But then when you come here, you don't bring your gifts to the church. So God didn't give you your gift to blow corporate America up. God gave you your gifts for the church. Corporate America is secondary. So whatever you're doing at your job, if it's training, why aren't you training at the church? If you're doing strategies at your job for the CEO, or if you're the CEO, why don't you bring that skill set to the church? And so visionary, somebody that's caring, somebody that's loving. Like I saw all the young people, the young people coming in, they feel comfortable. They're coming in the past to study. You know, I think that's important. And in this generation, because this isn't the 1950s or the 1960s. You know, young people used to respect you back in the day. Like, I was taught to respect your uncle even if he was on heroin. He your uncle, so you're supposed to respect him. Like, real, my uncle on heroin, I'm still supposed to say uncle to him. You know, I'm still supposed to treat him like he's responsible even though he's not responsible. That's what we were taught. This generation, kids don't respect you because you got a title. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying it don't happen no more. Ain't nobody sitting down in class because you are the teacher. Used to be if you was a sub, they would just do you any kind of way. Now you could be the teacher, and they'll do you any kind of way. So nowadays, you got to be more like Christ, and you got to come down on people's level and deal. Your pastor comes down on people's level, and he's transparent. That's why I listen to the messages, because I'm transparent, and so I'm listening to the stuff he's saying. I'm like, wow, I'm growing. So for me, those are the three important things. When somebody's willing to share their business with you, they're willing to tell you what's going on in their life, they're willing to be vulnerable to you, to me, that's a person that cares. And again, if you have somebody that's taking care of you, you should take care of them. My mom called me all the time. Son, I'm going to spend some time with your aunt in Chicago. I need a hotel. Here's my credit card information. I'm like, oh, okay. All right. What's your credit card? All right. I wrote it down. Pull out my credit card. All right. I need to get my mom a hotel, please. I got money. Why am I going to make my mama pay for a hotel room when my mama took care of me? Like this is the time now to make a transition. It's time to man up now. It's the time. I got the park and everything. Don't worry about it, Ma. Ma called me. Thank you so much. Thank you for what? You you didn't get an abortion. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you, Ma. You could have you were 17 years old. You could have just been like, I can't do this. I'm too young. I can't do it. I messed up. I can't do it. I gotta move on. And we would have had to understand you were 17. They're nobody tripping you as a kid. You messed up. You made a mistake. But you decided to go ahead and go through, like, like alter your whole life to have me. Like physically, you could have died. Your weight ain't never been the same since you had me. Right? You know, after that first one, you lose a little. I saw in the prom, like, ma, you was that size to the prom. Once she had me, you got a You start. You just start spreading a little bit after the first one. You can't never really just go right back to the original size. I don't even care if you weigh the same. You just Never kind of go right back to that, right? So mom went through a whole lot for me. So those are some of the things that I think are important. But again, remember what I said, be willing to make the transition, all right? Make the transition, guys. If you got a good pastor, just make make God be able to look at the church and say, I am so respectful of how you're taking care of my man. I want God to be able to look at this church and say, well done, church. Well done. Now, it's biblical because David said it. David said, Saul, come on, between me and you, let's be real. You only kill a thousand, I kill 10,000. <laughs> like, come on, between me and you, you're not even a real warrior. I killed Goliath. Come on. Like, this ain't even a fair fight. I could have taken your life. The only reason I didn't take your life, because biblically the Bible says, touch not. Right. Two times I put my spear, your, your, your warrior's soft. They let, they let me walk right past them. I walked right up to you and put a spear right there. Then I walked away and called your name. And they never knew. That couldn't happen with my boys. I just sent out a couple of my boys to get me water. They just went to get me water and wiped out, they wiped folk out just to grab me some water and come back. We real warriors, but you know why I'm not going to take your life? Because biblically it says, t- so if David wouldn't touch an evil Saul, then how are you supposed to be treating your Pastor. Saul, Saul, he should have took Saul out but biblically he said you are anointed which means God covers you so I'm going to leave you alone but just know between me and you, David was wrong for that because he shouldn't have did it, that was too much but he just wanted to show off like boom spear, take some of your clothes like I don't really think that was right, I don't think God was pleased with that, he was showing off he should have just left it alone and knew in his heart that he could take him but he wanted him to know there's some of your clothes right here. Don't play with me. So listen to me, man. You know, the Bible says, people say, why you, you know, take care of your wife? The Bible says he that finds a, wi- a, wi- a wife finds what of the Lord? He finds favor. So there's some hookups I'm getting just because I got a wife. That if I didn't have a wife, I wouldn't have. So I got to show my wife love because I got favor because of her. Oh, you're not hearing me. We want to study the word, but we just want to take out pieces of the word. <laughs> Fellas, just like they got a song, a song for the Sabbath, you need to make a one for your wife and be singing it when she gets to the crib. I celebrate. All right, she walk in. <laughs> do, 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 do. No, I'm, I'm, being, I'm keeping it 100, for real, because I travel a lot, I'm doing my thing. Don't ever think, brothers, I don't care how handsome you are, how much you think you got it going on, don't ever think you can't lose your woman. And don't ever think for one minute, your fine wife, somebody else don't think she fine. I know I'm going a little too deep for the salad, but let me keep it real with you. Don't ever think your wife going to work and you're the only person that thinks she's attractive. Don't humor yourself. Don't think it ain't some other cat thinking, man, I wish that was my wife. Man. Don't, don't, don't think that it's not another man out there that's looking at your wife and see how she take care of you, how she take care, how you, you take care, she take care of the kid, and he's not like, wow, I wish I had that. So every day when I walk out the house, I think about my wife going to a job with men that's around. That if I know I think she got it going on, they think she got it going on. So my little proof is they ain't going to be sending flowers on the red. So let me send flowers. I'm about to proof this marriage out right here. <laughs> I'm about to cook and everything. Because he might be cute, but he ain't going to be cooking for you and ironing your clothes. He might be cute, but he ain't ironing clothes. I know that for sure. So while you looking at him, he looking at you, just remember, I'm ironing your clothes every day. <laughs> you might want to remember that. <laughs> don't get caught up. <laughs> On the little he, you know, his his little looks, don't get caught up. Trust me. He ain't gonna be washing your car and doing all of that. So, for real, guys, and I know we don't know because we haven't really been taught, but when you know, we gotta look at all the Bible, not just parts of the Bible. We gotta look at all the Bible. And the Bible says when God blesses you with people in your life. Like a Jonathan and a David, you, I don't know if y'all read it, but they made a deal. And even after Jonathan died and David found out that that was Jonathan's people, he said, take care of my man. I made a vow years ago to Jonathan. Is that his people? Whatever he need, give it to him. I don't even know him, but I, I'm taking care of a vow that I made. All right, questions. I'm sorry, I'm getting excited. All right, I got two things I got to say though before we go, but any other questions about leadership because I don't want to hog and then we're going to move forward. Okay, so I always say this about leadership, and this is harsh. All right. I say this about leadership. If I can't get my son to take school serious or to be obedient to me, it says something about me as a leader. Alright? So it's saying there's a disconnect. That I'm some message that I'm conveying, he's not, it's not, I'm not saying it in a way where he can get it. Right? And let me tell you what was hard for me. I grew up where you want to solve any problem, it's with a whipping. That's where I come from. You do anything wrong, you're getting a whipping. And God came to me and said, you can't, keep whipping. You can't whip your son for the rest of his life. You can't keep doing that. And let me tell you what was hard. What was hard was me replacing the whipping with something else. Because all I've ever known in my life, you do something wrong, I'm whipping you. But I would notice that when I whipped my son, I was, I was stripping him. He was almost getting passive. And I'm like, the last thing I need is a passive son. And it was almost where I was whipping him and just killing him. And he was getting nervous. And I started noticing when he would deal with other people, he had that same trepidation on him. I'm like, he can't have that. So I'm doing something wrong. So I got to stop whipping because this ain't, it was almost like the slave mentality. And I was stripping him every time I whipped him. And God was like, you got to find another way. You got to punish him. He got to pay, but you got to find another way to do it. And I'm going to tell you what was hard, me finding that other way because it meant I had to change. And, and the thing that I've learned about leadership that's critical, most people think that this is leadership, and it's not. This is leadership. No, hear what I'm saying. You become a better leader when you become a better person. And so the first thing you have to do when something's not going right, you've got to ask yourself, what am I doing wrong? What adjustments do I need to make? Now, why am I saying that first? Because you lose power when you want other people to change. You lose power. I lose power when I say my wife ain't doing what I wanted to do. Now I'm getting frustrated because I just gave her all the power. And she can decide if she want to change or not. And if she decides she doesn't want to change, then we messed up. But if I decide I'm going to change her by serving her, I keep the power. So if she come home with an attitude, I'm like, I ain't tripping that she got an attitude because I'm going to keep serving. And one of these days, if it take two years, three years, four years, I'm going to break her. I'm going to break her with love. I'm going to break her. But I got to keep doing this, and I got to keep doing this to what I'm saying. So so I never asked my wife to change. I kept saying, all right, I'm going to do this and see how she react to it. All right, she loved that. She didn't like this. Change. Okay, I got to get this to y'all because I... Myron, I just said to your wife earlier, and I had to grow about three weeks ago. I was at a church, uh, Sunday church in um, Jersey, and they, were, they sang this song about break the chains, break the chains. And I had to break the chains because although I love my wife to life, I was always bitter with her because she would never do nothing in the ministry. So we come to church, and she sit the whole time. She ain't never prayed. She ain't never sang. She don't do nothing. She'll come and sit down. And after a while, I would get angry, like, you the first lady, you ain't gonna say nothing? And God was like, no, 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 you got a problem, son. She don't have a problem. I was like, what problem do I have? In your mind, you think that every first lady gotta do... You think in your mind that every first lady gotta sing, or play the piano, or get up, and you think by her not doing anything that it's a reflection on you. When she's just as powerful as anybody else, from where she is and the people look up to her because of her strong silence. But our relationship was great, but in that one area, and even though I never verbalized to her, she still knew that I was discouraged because she would never do anything and it would hinder our relationship. And God said, you got to let that go. And when I let it go, She came to me, and it was crazy. We were having worship, and I told her. God told me I got to let it go. She said, good, because my mother forced me to do this, and my mother forced me to do that, and sometimes I feel like you trying to force me to do stuff. And I was like, whoa, where would that come from? Like, I'm like, whoa, I didn't even know your mama made you do that. Right? She was a grown woman, but bottled up. Like, I'm tired of folks. She was like, I left Huntsville and followed you to Michigan. That's not enough? I gave up my job. I gave up my life. What else do you want? And I'm like, whoa, praise God, I got it. I won't force you to do nothing else. What you want for dinner? (laughs) Because I had a plan. I was going to cook something. But let me back up. No, but it was serious. And God said, you got to change. And when I start approaching my wife now with not let's do this or let's do that, like, sweetheart, thanks so much for moving. I didn't even really consider that like that, that you gave up all of that. Thank you so much. And now I'm asking her, what do you want to do? And it's not that she's saying nothing. But now she's saying, let's negotiate it. I don't mind. Yeah, I want to move just like you want to move. But not right now. My mama got cancer. And I know that ain't your mama. And I know she's doing better. But I'm all she got. She ain't ever been married. I'm her only life. Can we just wait this out and see if she get better? I ain't saying I don't want to move. I do. But I don't want to leave my mama. I'm like, oh, okay. Like, I ain't never really talked that through before. I'm just thinking about our family. My mama married. <laughs> we got, there's three of us. So if I leave, my sister live with my mama. She cool. So my, my answer to it, if people don't want to be a part of what we're doing, maybe we're not doing it right. When you get a chance, how to win friends and influence people. And I love it. Dale Carnegie says that you can't catch every fish with the same bait. You got some smart fish. You throw a worm in there, some fish ain't going to just eat. They're like, that's a worm. You think I'm stupid? <laughs> like, that's obvious. My man didn't even try. He just threw a worm in there. I'm just supposed to eat that. Come on. you killing me. The fish laughing like, my man think I'm stupid. But you got a little baby fish, little stupid fish. They're going to go see the first thing they see, they're going to eat it. Shark ain't going to be like, oh, worm. Shark like, ooh, human. <laughs> Who didn't came out too far? Got him. So what I've learned as a leader is when I put a program together, I got to stop putting programs together that I like. that appealed to me and I got to get with six or seven people who have different personalities and ask if you was putting on the program what would you do and if you were putting on a program what would you do and what I've learned is that when you get those six people involved in your program well them six people coming because they invested in it now and the people that like those six people they coming but everybody might not like me in the church so when they find out I'm doing a program I ain't going I don't like her anyway but Carol doing it. Oh, Carol doing it. Oh, bad. I'm going. I love Carol, so she might not even come because of the program, but she coming because of her relationship with Carol. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? So I'm saying, as leaders, we've gotta. And I'm not saying we're always wrong, because my pastor called me. Why ain't nobody coming to pray at me? What am I doing wrong? I'm like you ain't doing them wrong. Just keep doing it. It might take longer. Are you hearing me? Just, it could take longer. Like, just because you do something great for three weeks don't mean the world gonna change because you still start doing something great for three weeks. Like, you gotta be consistent and if you do it for six months and people see you consistent, then they might start coming. So, as leaders, we need to ask ourselves, what can we do to change? The second thing I think we need to do, in this church, man, we special, you know, you guys are gifted, but one of the problems that I find with gifted people is sometimes you don't think you need to learn. When you're real smart, you're not really a learner when you're real smart, you think you know everything. And so one of the things we have to be careful of is that as leaders, we have to keep learning. And so we need to be reading leadership books, we need to be going to leadership conferences, we need to connect ourselves to other leaders and ask other leaders what are they doing so that we can learn from other leaders, amen? Amen. Come on, amen? Amen. amen? Amen, and so to answer that question, listen to me. What am I doing wrong? What adjustments can I make? Let me get a board of advisors let me start asking other people let me look at other programs and see what they're doing well and one of the things whether you guys know it or not and I don't know where the shift happened to be honest I can't give you the year but being you know in my 40s what I've discovered is that what was going on 20 years ago is not going on now and I had an older gentleman come to me and say I can't believe all this texting they are doing don't you think it's too much I said yep but I'm texting <laughs> cause that's what they are doing <laughs> you can sit here and argue all you want to and you ain't nobody gonna be calling you But the reality is, they don't talk on a phone no more. They don't do that. That's back 30, 40 years ago. You use a phone. I got my goddaughter, she came to my house, and we got one of them antique phones, and we had it in the wall, and she was like, what's that? Uh, And I was tripping, like, what do you mean, what's that? She's like, no, what's that? I said, it's a telephone. She said, why is it plugged into the wall? I said, because it's a telephone. And she like, that's not a telephone. This is a telephone. And I'm thinking, wow, she doesn't even know I ain't even talking about the do-do-do. I'm talking about the <laughs> You remember you messed up on the hood, You got to start all over again. <laughs> you got to take it from the top. Because <laughs> you didn't go all the way around with that boy. <laughs> the eight was like a six. You're like, all right, got to start all over again. Then you had the party line. You can hear your mama on the other ear. She pick it up. Like, my mama on the phone. Be quiet. Don't say nothing. You can hear like the echo or the party line. You can hear other people talking. You can hear that conversation. Like what they said. So it's a different generation and one of the things that you have to do if you're going to be successful in this generation is that you have to keep evolving and keep growing. And some of us don't want to do that. Some of us, we do something good in 2010 and we stuck on it. And what we've got to learn to do is we've got to keep growing so that we can, amen. You hear me? Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's why I'm working on a PhD. Because every year, I can't never stop and say, I'm there, I've arrived. No, every NFL team I work for, every NBA team, every college, they, they different every year. I'll never forget, one coach said that he brought like a huge NBA legend in, and the kids didn't listen. Back in the day, they used to listen. And I'm trying to explain to him, kids don't look up to other athletes no more. They look up to rappers now. You, 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 that's old. <laughs> listen to me, I told him, you gotta understand something. Nicki Minaj is much bigger than LeBron James. Everybody ain't playing. Everybody don't follow basketball. Everybody follow hip hop. I'm talking about everybody. Older people, you're like, no, that's for them young people. No, sweetheart. Listen to the commercial. The commercial has got a rap in the commercial now. The colonel doing the, he, the colonel doing his thing. <laughs> McDonald's play hip hop. Now, you might not be in the hip hop, but I ain't mad at you. That's your world. But if you want to get in their world and help them, you got to get out your world and get in their world. And you say that ain't biblical. Yes, it is. Christ left heaven and came down here for you. Don't get it twisted. Don't think earth that deep to Christ. He had to leave there to come here to save you. So he did some serious compromising. I don't know if you see that as a compromise or not. Maybe you think you that deep that he should have just left heaven and came down on earth to save you. That's a compromise. To take on flesh when you divine. To be nailed to a cross by something he created. That's compromise. Ain't nobody tripping. I, I, don't, I ain't into rap music. God know I ain't into rap music. Not like that. But if it takes me to learn this rap music so I can get in these kids life then I'm going to learn the rap music. God know my heart. God know I ain't listening to it so I can enjoy it. I'm listening to it so I can understand their culture, their world, their language and get in it. Listen to me. You could teach Hispanic kids for 30 years but until you learn Spanish you'll never connect with them like the people who speak their language. Never. I don't care how good of a teacher you are. If you don't speak their language and understand their nuances you, it's, it's, you just an okay teacher. But when you understand their language and understand their culture and you can speak to their culture. So I don't listen to rap because I'm I'm into Nicki Minaj. But when I go to the school, I tell kids all the time, look, do you play? It's 50 of y'all in this classroom. How many of y'all play sports? Maybe 10 raise their hand. I say, Well, listen to me, education is the new trap. And they like, What did he just say? I say, Yeah, you bees in the trap. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to tell you. Education is the new trap. You ain't selling dope. That ain't your trap. Education is your trap. This is what's going to get you out the hood. And we go through all the lyrics. I say, you told me. You told me. I didn't tell you. You told me you got a condo around your wrist. You cashing out. You told me you got a condo around your neck. You cashing out. Do you know what it means to cash out? You can't cash out with education. Like if you ain't playing sports how you going to cash out? They like, whoa, what does he know about that? I'm in your world now. I just got in your world now. I don't, go to, I don't go in no school with no shirt and tie on. Why? Because as soon as they see me, they like, he can't relate. I go in with my Jordans on. I don't even wear J's. When I'm talking to African-American students, listen to me. And Jordan will send me stuff before they come out. I walk into school and kids like, he got the 12s. <laughs> the 12s ain't even out yet. Where you he get the 12s from? I don't even wear Jordans just normally. But when I go to their school, I put the Jordans on. And I walk in with, the, with my pants up. And so as soon as I open my mouth and say, you need to take school serious, they like, he got the 12s. We need to take school seriously. <laughs> he got the 12s. He know what he talking about. I need to know. I'm not in the Jordans. But if that's what's going to help me to relate to my students, then I'm going to do it. If that's what's important to them. If I got to wear the big po- horse polo, <laughs> I'm coming in with it all. <laughs> they like, yo, when you get that big boy? I got that from Macy's on State Street in Chicago. Now they all in. I don't care about these athletes, but when I show them with me and Cam Newton, they like, you and Cam doing the stuff in the back. they like, you and Cam? Cool. He played. We ain't that cool, but if you want to take that from the picture, go for it. And so when I say this is what you need to do, because this is what God did for me, they all in. So as leaders, for real, we got to stop putting programs together that benefit us. You know, my church, you know, they I remember they say, well, we going to do this big health program, and then we going to the Big Franks. I said, I don't know who you think going to eat Big Franks. <laughs> I ain't trying to be funny, but uh, <laughs> the Big Frank got to be like, that's a part of your culture, like you grew up eating that. Like You just don't come off the block and eat you a, you know, a grill. Big Frank, it just don't happen like that. we going to have to. Now, if we eating amongst ourselves, we can prime griller, but they ain't about to eat the prime griller burger. So are we cooking for them or are we cooking for us? Who are we cooking for? No, who are we cooking for? Because if we're cooking for them, then we need to serve them. We can still do the salad. We can still do some nice vegetables. But they got to see something in there that's attractive to them. They got to smell something. And so we're putting all these programs together for us when the programs are for them. Now, if they're for us, then we need to do them for us. And don't compromise. If, but when we're doing it for them, then we need to do it for them. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so that's why I love this, because they comfortable with this. This is brilliant. This is their culture. Again, it's not Boston. If you're in Boston again, you got Harvard. That's a culture. Brown, that's a culture. MIT, that's a culture. It's a different culture when you're in Detroit. You don't come in people with suits in Detroit. They're not into that. They're not like academic like that. It's, it's, It's grind. It's blue collar. It's grind. So when you come like this and in the pen, people are like, oh, he's approachable. You come with a shirt and towel in my hood, they like up oh, Jehovah's Witness. Shut the door. <laughs> Shut the door. Here they come. <laughs> you ain't even Jehovah's Witness, but they you got the shirt and towel with the Bible. They don't have to come. Everybody put the dog up front. Like don't they send the dog outside. Let the dog roam around right there. So they don't even come. That, it's it's real. Good thing that Jehovah's Witness is doing what they do, because now they got a culture. People know when you go out, you can tease them if you want, but it's a culture. People know that's them because they come out. So please do me a favor, again, when you're putting the program together, all right, but you got to be willing to change. And my wife loves the fact that I make the bed, but she might not like that next year. Or she might like the bed, but that ain't enough no more because she's gotten accustomed to that. So now i got to do the bed, and y'all might laugh at me, but I just met a young lady who know how to do the animals out of the towels, and me and her, we hooking up. <laughs> She about to show me how to do the animal boy. So she about to go to the crib with the giraffe right there on the thing. (laughs) The turtle. (laughs) Like, when you learn that, don't even worry about it. (laughs) Don't even worry about it. Right? (laughs) Hey, you're just going to have to watch YouTube when you get home. (laughs) You're going to have to study a little bit. That's all. So listen to me. Do me a favor. Yeah, he cut the mic off, but the Holy Ghost made him cut it back off. <laughs> so do me a favor. All I'm asking you to do is don't get stuck. Keep progressing. Keep learning. Some of y'all, you thought because you got your PhD, that was it. That's it's not over. Learning's not over for you. What's his name? Uh, Barry, Barry Black. Two PhDs, like five master's degrees. I'm not telling you to do that, but he understands he got to keep learning. So I'm telling you guys, don't stop. When you do something good, go to great. When you go great, go beyond, all right? But progress. And one of the problems that I see with us is that we get our degrees or we get our jobs or we get to to this place that we thought God wanted us to get to, and then we quit. And the day you stop growing is the day you go backwards, all right? So do me a favor. Don't be afraid of change. It hurts. Good feels good, but great hurts, Good feels real good. Great hurts. But don't be afraid of the pain. Get through the pain to accomplish what God wants you to accomplish. Amen? 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 Amen. Somebody should be reading books. On Monday, you need to go get you some books, some audio books. Amen? Amen. Registering for some classes. Amen? Amen. I see you, girl. You better stop fighting it. Amen? Yeah, that rotary phone. All the way back. All right, but that's back in the day. Remember now we just do what? We just hit the little name. We don't even remember numbers no more. Back in the day, you knew everybody's numbers. Do, 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 do. Now you just hit Carol and it just rang. I lost my contacts the other day. Man, I was sick at the stomach. Like, God, I don't remember my number on there. Because I just go Eric. So no, I'm feeling you 100%. Any other questions? I got one other thing I want to address. All right. Good. And so, and I like that. How do you stay? You, you continue to grow and be successful. How do you stay relevant? And for me, you stay relevant because you stay connected to the people. You stay connected to the people. You never, while you go and get your insight, you know, back in the day, uh, in the African-American community, like 40s, 50s, everybody couldn't afford to go to school. So you send one person to school to get the knowledge, but they come home and teach it. So everything they would learn, they bring it back to the community. So what we do is, we, go, we Robin Hood. We get all this information, we learn what we need to learn, and we come back and we tell our people, ooh, they got jobs over there. First thing I did last night, my people from Quicken Loans, they were here last night. I connect them to the pastor. Pastor, I gotta go. You need to stay connected to these people. You need to know Dan Gilbert personally. I remember when I was younger and they'd say, them people taking over, they moving us out here and they taking over downtown. <laughs> you hear that? They taking over downtown. I know those people now. I know the people that's taking over downtown. And I get connected with those people. So while they're taking over downtown, some of our people can help them take over downtown. <laughs> Are you hearing what I'm saying? So I'm not meeting these people and going home and keeping it to myself. First thing, when Mar said, hey, I want you to come to Cleveland, I'm like, boom, Dan Gilbert. Got it. You're going to be on the golf course with my man. You're going to be in the, in the, at the arena in the seats with my man, and you're going to learn from him. And you're gonna go to his trainings and you're gonna meet him and you're gonna bring it back to your church and your church is gonna be blessed because of the connections that you have. And that's what we don't do no more. Once we get something now, we gone. We gone. We found out a secret now, we ain't telling nobody. We didn't find a sale at Macy's, we ain't even call nobody and tell them until we go get our shoes. Then we walk it out, girl, they got a sale at Macy's. You didn't buy everything there. Yep, they got about two pairs of shoes up. you better hurry up. Back in the day, if they had to sell at Macy's, we all get in the car together and on to Macy's together and bind together. Amen? We don't do that no more. Like, we don't even like to be in the same cars no more. Y'all see that? When I was a little kid, my grandma and my aunts, they had to, like, you know, remember the station wagons that you look backwards this way? <laughs> Me and my cousins in the back watching the traffic. We watching it this way. <laughs> Some of y'all, Yo, y'all know what I'm talking about. The seat was back the back way. You looking that way while the car's coming. Right. We did everything together. Now, if you got a six seater, you only got four people in. Don't nobody even want to be like next to each other in the car, crunched up in the car. And so there was a time when everything we did was community. We get a degree. We're telling somebody else to get a degree. We're telling them, you know, where we went to school. We're telling this professor get to know them so they can get in. And we got to get back because the reason why God blesses us, not just for us. But we are, we, God bless us so that we could become a blessing. So you can stay relevant as long as you're with the people. Once you start, that's why my success, all my success is I'm running with college students. So they know Twitter, Facebook, they, they made me go viral. I didn't do it. My mixtape, I didn't come up with the, I'm grown. I didn't come up with no mixtape. I'm a grown man. A mixtape? My son said, Dad, you got to listen to this while I lay. And my boy was like, that's it, a mixtape. Eric, we need to do the first motivational mixtape with you. And we had over 500,000 people download it. We had corporate companies call, like, I like that one on protect my brand. How much is it going to cost to have you come to my company? It revolutionized some, kid, some 20-something-year-old thought about a mixtape. Some adult would be in this room, I, that's a mixtape, why would you do that? That's not, because that's, that's, that's what they do. You might not do the mixtape, but that's what they do. That's their language. That's what they understand. And we did it for free, so it wouldn't cost anything. And guess what, people say, where's the DVD? Where's the disc? I'm like, Ma, they don't do that no more. They don't have like physical things no more, Ma. They download, they just hit a button and they just, I don't know how it happens, but it go into their stuff and then they go into their ear, Ma, I can't explain it to you. <laughs> Cause my mom wanna know where the album at. <laughs> Son, can you send me one of them albums? I heard you had a mixtape, can you send me an album? I'm like, Ma, it's not a physical album. <laughs> it's not a physical album. It's the link. She's like, what's that? You got to go on a computer, my head. She's like, that's too much for me. So, so, for real, stay connected. The young people that are here, stay connected with the young people that are here. Stay connected with the community. And I'm telling you, if you stay connected, you're going all, you're, you will always be relevant. Always current. You will always be uh, innovative if we stick with the heartbeat and the pulse. But if we get to a point where God starts to bless us and we separate ourselves then that's when we're in trouble. And Jesus never did that. He always stayed connected to the people. Amen? Pharisees couldn't stand him. They called him all kind of names. But while he was on earth, he stayed connected to the people, and he met the people's needs. And the people, amen, the people got his name uh, spread throughout, uh, throughout that particular region. Amen? Any other questions? Good. Any other questions? I got, I, I got one more comment. Any other questions? Remember what I said, don't be afraid of change. Don't be afraid of But there's only one thing that's inevitable, and that's what? That's the only thing. Change is going to happen whether you like it or not. And here are the people who are not successful, not people who aren't smart, but they're not willing to make adjustments. Amen? I am shocked. I work at Michigan State University. They pay for you to go to college if you work there and let you go during work hours. I am shocked that not everybody got a Ph.D., I'm shocked. I'm like, you've been here for 30 years and you only got a four year degree and they giving out, they paying for you to go to school and you can go to school during work hours. And you're not getting a degree. I will take it as far as I can. I didn't think I could finish the PhD. I'll be honest with you, but I knew I could finish the coursework. I'm like, I'll just take the coursework since it's free. I'm just going to do it. Worst thing that can happen is I fail. That's on them. (laughs) I'm good. They're paying for it, so I'm good. Right? Why wouldn't, I ta- why wouldn't I? The only thing that's tough is that it's hard. But it's free, and it's an opportunity, and I'm growing. Every class, I'm learning more. So please, listen to me. Listen to me very closely. Change is inevitable. Don't get stuck doing the same stuff you've been doing all your life. When God says to you, okay, it's, gonna be a, it's going to be a drought for three years, and I'm going to bring a raven up here to feed you. Okay, come on, come on, come on. Y'all hear me. He didn't even know how long. God just said it's going to be a drought, and the raven is going to feed you. But then one day, God told him what? It's going to rain again. Like, I'm not going to do this forever. Like, don't get accustomed to This a couple years, you're going to eat like this. But now, it's going to rain again. Get up. And some of y'all, God's doing stuff for you, and you loving it, and you stuck on it for the rest of your life. Just because there's a certain worship experience, like that's a great worship experience. It won't be great if you keep doing it. It's going to be stale after a while. The Patriots, I think, went 16-0, and but they lost the Super Bowl. It took to the Super Bowl for somebody to find out what they was doing. Got them. This is what they're doing. <laughs> we watched 18 of their games. I see exactly what they're doing. Put some pressure on that boy. Ain't nobody putting no pressure on Brady. Pressure him. And they pressured him in the Super Bowl. The one game that counted. By a team that wasn't 16-0. Ah, you're not hearing me. The team that won the Super Bowl was not 16-0. But the team that won the Super Bowl made the uh, adjustments. They made the changes. And they won the Super Bowl because they made the changes. They weren't even blowing them out at the half. But they was in the game at the half. They came in, talked about it at halftime, and they won with the last drive. They made the adjustment in the church. You keep doing the same thing over and over and over, and you think you're gonna break the world. You think you're gonna break the young people. You're not. You're gonna drive them away. But if you make the adjustments, we all gonna be blessed. Amen? Amen. All right. So I need a question, and I got a, I got a statement I want to make, and we're gonna recap because I want to make sure you heard what I said today. Any questions, please? Any questions on leadership, please? I don't want to monopolize. Any questions on leadership, please? Alright, so oh got it. Um I do, and that's what make and okay, how can I say it? That's the essence of a leader. You don't need leaders if everything was easy. You only need a leader because they're dip, we needed Martin Luther King because it's like this whole thing is difficult right here. Like get getting them to free us. It ain't really working out the way we had planned, right? They let us go a long time ago, but we still can't get jobs. Like, we still can't eat in certain restaurants. So you need a Martin Luther King because it's not that it can't be done. You just need somebody who has the charisma and the wherewithal to get it done. Like, I don't know if you, you know, every Martin Luther King birthday, I don't know if you heard it, but I promise you. I promise you every year when I hear the I Have a Dream speech, it's, just, it's like Martin Luther King live up the street. I don't know if you heard the speech lately, but it's like he's not even dead. Like, when I have a dream, I like I feel it like, like I'm listening to him right now, and he's still alive. Like, that's how powerful it is. Like, when he died, my mother was like, everybody was just like, like, dead. She, like, was in college. Like, she remember she was like, in, not in college, but college age. And she remember when he died, she was just like, everybody in the black community was just like, like, the life had been taken out of them. Like, he's gone. Because he realized, and he was, just a, he was just a pastor, by the way. Like, he wasn't no neuroscience a surgeon or nothing like that. He was, he was just a pastor. But he saw there was a problem. He's like, I can fix it. And so, what I'm trying to tell you is leaders gravitate toward challenges. That's what we do. We gravitate. We're looking for a problem. There's a problem. Got it. Because if it was easy, everybody would do it. So leaders like, okay, adults ain't talking, the youth ain't a middle ground. All right, let me find out what the gap is. Man, whenever I preach, I tell people, you heard me earlier, Martin Luther the King is dead. Malcolm X is gone. I'm that new guy. When kids wake up on Monday and turn on YouTube, I'm that guy I'm about to inspire you. I just left Albany, New York. Little girl came in acting a fool. She sat down. I was like, you a queen? And I went in on her. She smiled like I ain't never. She melted. I said, I got to put that up on YouTube so people can. She melted. Come to find out her family like the kingpin in that particular area and all she's seen is fine. But when I talk to her, she melted. Why? She just needs somebody to speak into her life like that. Ain't nobody ever told her she could do nothing positive before. I'm the new Martin Luther King. I'm not running around here like everybody else. Oh, these young people don't listen. They do but